the limbic system is responsible for memory, for passion, and for storytelling. So because our olfactory bulb is nestled there, that's where sense power for storytelling comes. It is It can transport you across space and time. You can smell something today that you haven't smelled in 30 years or 20 years, and it'll take you right back to that exact moment. Welcome to The Wonder Podcast. We're here at Marketplace on Maiden Lane. I'm CCB, your host, and I'm excited to share uh, our conversation with our guest today. She is representing one of the senses, and we've been talking about design for the senses and the impact that multisensory design has on the environment and on the human experience. So today I'm sitting here with Danielle Sargent with cognoscenti, which if you really want to remember it, you'll probably want to sound it out as cognoscenti. But Danielle is going to explain to us uh, her experience in scent making and all sorts of fascinating facts about the science of scent. Danielle. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And we are absolutely delighted to have you. So um, I'd like you to start off and explain how did you get into the, uh, the creative adventure of scent making? Sure. So I have always been a creative person or a maker. Uh, I was trained as an architect and a painter. And during the last recession, I had air quotes free time. Um, I grew up with a very strong sense of smell and have always loved fragrance and perfume. So I decided that this was the time to explore scent as a medium. So I literally woke up one morning and said, I'm going to be a perfumer today. So I Google searched a class the next day, took a class the next day with a local woman by the name of Yosh Han, and the following day started my company. Okay, that's pretty impressive. It, it was pretty, it, it was, it's just a fascinating topic and field of study. So for the first year, I sourced materials from around the globe, ingredients from all over, studied mostly with naturals initially, and then started integrating um, some of the aroma molecules. So I became what's called a mixed media scent artist. And then the second year, I started doing the branding, the packaging, trying to figure out where my scents fit within the market and created the brand story and launched two years to the day of that first class. So the idea of being a scent maker, I'm sure, can appear in lots of different ways. So I can think of the big brand scents. I can think of the, we're seeing a lot more bespoke scent makers, which is the category that I believe you'd fall into. Yes. And so would you talk about kind of that history of making scents and how we got to this place? Well, if we go way back uh, to the beginning and the dawn of time, uh, the people who originally made sense were the ones who were the mystics and the religious uh, people. They were the only ones that were allowed to use scented ingredients. So we have the shamans burning incense to tell stories and talk to the gods. We have the monks creating fragrances and poisons for the de' Medici's in the Renaissance. And then more modern traditional trajectories for a perfume maker would be studying chemistry, a university, and then if they are lucky, being admitted to a perfume school to further pursue their perfume passion. And from that point, you can either go into commercial fragrances. So 
cleaning solutions, body products, fewer go into sort of the master and fine fragrances. Just like wine was in the 70s, where there's one or two um, vintners working with wine, um, we now have multiple vintners doing terroir and crafting the brews. We talk about whiskey having sort of their own craftspeople, and with scent, it is also very similar. You went way over a great deal of information with that answer. And so I'm going <laughs> to, I want to bring you back because okay. uh, I want to ask a couple of questions about, um, people using scent sure. and you, you referenced the history of scent, but I know that you have a couple of stories about individuals over history who have made great strides in their name even yes. in the use of scent. So I think um, Cleopatra is a really great example. Uh, she conquered lands to specifically acquire scented material. Neroli is probably the biggest one, and Rose. Uh, she is known, there's a, there's a story, an anecdotal story, of uh, her going to meet Mark Anthony. And on her barge, were sails, and she drenched the sails in rose oil so that her scent could be smelled miles in advance. So she timed it just so that the wind was blowing in the direction of him. So he was waiting for her. He knew she was coming. I think everybody for miles on the banks of the Nile knew she was coming too. So that's, a, that's one example. Another uh, fun example would be the Moulin Rouge, where the dancers perfumed their skirts and at the end of the performance, they would run up the aisle, sort of swishing their skirts to the front of the house where they sold the fragrance for the gentlemen who would buy it for their wives and secretly think about the dancers at night. So telling those stories evokes the recognition that scent is a storytelling sense. Absolutely. It's connected to the limbic system. The limbic system is responsible for memory, for passion, and for storytelling. So because our olfactory bulb is nestled there, that's where sense power for storytelling comes. It is It can transport you across space and time. You can smell something today that you haven't smelled in 30 years or 20 years, and it'll take you right back to that exact moment. It's truly special. It's poetic and it's magic. It's just, uh, there's a cloud of, of thought surrounding me just by the, the conversation, the, um, the thoughts that you're raising. So think about people and how they connect to scent and how they communicate with scent. And I'd love you to kind of speak to that. Sure. So I think most people ignore scent. And I, you know, I got the question, well, why should we care about scent? And the, the, the question is, why not? It's like asking, why should we care about vision or taste or touch? Scent is more powerful and people ignore it. So, so uh, oftentimes people's interaction with scent is at a very rudimentary level. We don't smell enough. People will smell it most or, or think of scent most with food. So if they're going to a restaurant, as they walk into the restaurant, they may smell the bartender cutting the limes. As they progress through their t to their table, they'll smell wine and maybe the bread coming out. And when their food comes, they'll actually stop and smell it. We rarely stop and smell 
on a daily basis. And I would love if the audience changed that and started smelling more and often. And do you have a challenge to them or some tips that uh, they should think about? Sure. There's a, a bunch of ways to integrate scent into your life. I think just when you wake up and you walk to work in the morning, what is the scent of your day? And, you know, there's going to be a typical scent path that you go every day to work and back uh, on special days on the weekends. If you go for a walk or a hike while you're looking at the ocean and walking through the fields, smell each step. It's going to smell different along different parts of the path. Uh, it's important to smell. It's important for your brain. It's important for your health. How is it important for your health? One of the things that is critical to understand is that some of the people who suffer from dementia and severe depression don't have a sense of smell. They've lost their sense of smell. And it's sort of one of the indicators for mental health in the aged population. They used to do what's called a peanut butter test. Now they actually have scent cards that they test on individuals who appear to have some um, mental challenges. And we have these olfactory neurons that are actually outside the brain, but they're in the nasal cavity. They're exposed to the air. We get them new ones every four to six weeks. Use them or lose them, they say. And so the more you use them, the more we think um, the brain is stimulated. And by stimulating the brain, we keep the brain active. So just like you're active physically uh, for exercise or you think about doing Sudoku puzzles, scent should be incorporated in the same way. And, you know, there's no definitive proof that smelling more makes you, staves off Alzheimer's, but they believe that that could be possible because the reverse is true. Well, I think it makes perfect sense that all five senses are integral to our brain and to our experience. And so if one of them is broken or less used. Absolutely. We, you know what, though, it's going to bring up an interesting question because what happens if, uh, if, for example, one of your senses is broken or out of, do other senses take over and help? They say it does. So blind people spend more time smelling than people who rely on their, their sight to figure out what's ahead. Um, we can smell very well. We just choose not to. And also we don't know what we're smelling. So there are few uh, training sessions to learn what things are when we smell them. But you should, you should smell the coffee. You should smell the difference of coffee without cream and with cream. Different butters smell different. Italian butter smells more like cheese than Irish butter smells grassy. Um, there are little things that you can do just to smell better and smell more. Okay, so you just took us into that, uh, that area of the different layers of scent. Yes. And you have shared some great information with us previously about how the layering of scent is kind of similar to another one of your artistic endeavors, which is architecture. Sure. So would you speak to that a little bit? Sure. So in scent creation, um, typically, and this is not true for all perfumers, um, there is a pyramid of top notes, middle notes, and base notes. And different people will tell you what the general percentages are for each one. Um, but they're essentially the ingredients that make up a fragrance. And top notes are usually smaller molecules. 
and they dissipate within 15 minutes. It's the first thing you smell in a fragrance. Um, people have likened it to a dinner party uh, with your friends, and the top notes are the shiny, bright things that come to your party early and leave early to go to another event. The middle notes or heart notes are a bigger molecule. They are the typically, but not always, what defines the fragrance. That's why they call it the heart. It would be also your best friends. They're the ones who define that particular party. Those are mostly florals. Um, top notes are things that grow high, citrus, pine, uh, sort of sharp. Lavender can be a top note and a middle note, depending on how it was distilled. And then the base notes are things that last longer, anywhere from an hour to days. Patchouli, vetiver, a lot of the wood, cedar wood, oud, some of the heavier, rounder, wetter. Oak moss is one of my favorites. Those are all base notes. The word favorites makes me think about uh, the individual preferences that perhaps people have relative to different scents, but also perhaps um, is there a cultural uh, element to the way that we respond to scents? Sure. Um, I think, and a lot of this is generalization, but Americans typically like a very clean, they like their world to smell clean. So fresh, the fragrances that are relegated to women are sweet florals. Uh, I think that that's a problem, which is why I started the brand, because I like male fragrances, which now we don't typically, a lot of the perfumers don't design for a particular gender. They're non-gendered fragrances. Um, Culturally, the French like are more expansive. They like things that They like smelly cheese. You know, they like more interesting fragrances. Um, There are cultural things that we have to be careful of. I used the example of Palo Santo earlier in our talk. Because it is a specific native religious material, a lot of people were offended when Palo Santo became an ingredient that was used for commercial purposes. So I think in any discussion of scent or creation of scent for a project, an individual, a location, or environment, you have to take into account who the users are. Um, and everybody has different tastes. Everybody has different tastes. That's why it's so beautiful. It's like art. It's incredibly subjective. Uh, there are homogenizers that you can use that will um, be universally accepted A lot of people love lavender. Is that because it's more natural? But everything you've been talking about is natural, so I'm just curious. Well, yes and no. Um, I would say no first. Lavender has healing properties in and of itself, and lavender people understand and know. So I think that because it is easily accessible and easily understood, that's why it's one of those easy ones for people to um, cling on to. I work with non-naturals or aroma molecules, but those molecules may be uh, found in naturals as well. So each natural smell may be composed of hundreds, if not thousands, of individual molecules. And those molecules, you can pull out and use those to create sparkle or to create the color blue or to create a, a you know, wetness in a particular fragrance. So. 
Your vernacular, the vernacular of scent making is really, really fascinating because it goes across so many different senses that there's the visual and there's an auditory and there's, it's, it really is interesting, but I don't want you to go there. Where I want you to go now is <laughs> tell us, um, tell us stories about scents that you've created. Give so, us two. Two. So I don't start with a story. I start with the two ingredients. There are a lot of perfumers. Most perfumers start with a story. I take two ingredients that I want to push or pull against, and they kind of tend to create their own stories. So my fragrances are numbered, and they're numbered specifically so that people can bring their own stories to them. So one of them is tomato leather, and that's probably the most popular one in my line. And I have gotten many different interpretations of it. A lot of people talk about it reminds them of picking tomatoes with their grandmother in the garden. Other people are like, I'm on the back of my boyfriend's motorcycle and we're driving down the highway and I could smell the leather jacket that he's wearing. So it really, I like to leave it open to people's interpretation and not sort of shove a story down their throat. There are stories associated with them on the website and afterwards, and it's based on the interpretations of others. Really? So if you had a commission to create something, how do you approach that challenge? So I think, you know, you talked about using my other senses to help define the language of fragrance. We don't have, a lot of people don't have the, they don't understand what fragrance is. So using color, texture, and often sometimes even taste, like it tastes sweetness or sour. Um, I would use those words and those ideas to create a complete portrait of what the challenge or the concept would be. So I'm working on one right now uh, for a client that is a room spray and a linen spray for a small, very high-end residential project. And the aesthetic of the project is California Tide Pool. And they have a beautiful, vintage, almost barnacle-looking uh, chandelier. They have a beautiful Prussian blue wall and some lovely uh, light walnut veneer. So I know that I'm going to use uh, something that reminds me of the depth of that Prussian blue. I think the texture of the chandelier and the barnacles, I'll use choyanak, which is roasted seashell in some way. In order to tie it to California, You know, we're at a very specific point on the California coast where eucalyptus is at the coast with the water and the salt spray. So there might be some of that in. So that's how I would work is I would take the pieces that create the whole and work with the ingredients. And some of them I may kick out after I put them together and I don't like the smell. It's like the creative process will take me on a certain path that I typically won't know in advance. So that is just a lovely description of creating your own art that you then give to the world. Because I'm thinking people might commission something thinking they, they're requesting something more specific, but your response is definitely the artist's response. Yeah. And I, I'm an artist at heart. And, you know, people ask me uh, for my paintings, do I do commissions? And I don't. 
you know, I, because the, that creative process is very different and hard to dictate the path as to where I'll end up. With perfume, there are ingredients that will get me towards the path that I've been asked to take, but I don't know what it's going to be when I start. Totally amazing. Okay, I have two more questions for you. One is, you, you referenced the time, history and time, mm-hmm. and, and I wonder how does that, how do those elements play out in your making different sense? Let's see, the easiest way to describe that is each particular scent ingredient in any compilation has its own trajectory, and it will come up at certain times. So you should know when, or one should know when creating a scent, when those things will pop up. And there are um, specific notes that will block other notes and hide them. And there are other things, other notes that lock together. So instead of having one come early, you could pair it with one that's further down the chain and medium I mean, a mid, middle note, heart note, or bass note, and it'll lock it so that it won't come out early. So that, that's locking and blocking. And so you can use some of those tools. You have to understand the ingredients and how they work in order to uh, really tell the scent story in the timing that you want and in the manner that you want. And the beauty of it is a lot of times when you first put something together, you don't know what it's, what's going to, what the path, you, you kind of think you know, but you never know. That's why I think scent is, scent making is so fascinating. There's, there's so much that even if you're very well informed and I will always be a student, I, I, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years, but I will always be a student. I constantly learn and I learn by doing and it's just fascinating. It's super fascinating. It truly is. How much time does it take? And I'm going to say, how much time does it take to create any particular kind of scent? Mm-hmm. And when you're working on a commission or yeah. you're working with a client, what does that time frame look like? Yeah, so uh, some of my perfumes take years um, to do. Okay, we won't be asking for that yeah, just no. immediately. No. Yeah, no. Some <laughs> For a, a fine fragrance, it needs to cure for four weeks to six weeks. For room fragrances, it depends. It really depends on the client and on... Uh, the project it can be a few days, which is rare, but it's usually a few weeks. It takes a few weeks to really see how the ingredients sit together. They have to cure and they have to sit next to each other for a while to be friendly in order to determine what the final scent's going to be. So from the process or the design process standpoint, uh, does the client then smell the fragrance and say yay or nay they or can. I have a concern about? Yeah, so there's different levels of bespoke. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the entry level where you, there's a brief and you have, you know, one where you get one adjustment. And then there's one like Chanel number five. There were five versions of that fragrance and she chose number five. So you can have a client... Uh, that you create variations for and they pick one and that could be it or you can move further. It really depends on um, pricing, also on the number of ingredients that are included. So if you want the full range of a perfumer's palette, that costs more because some of the ingredients are extremely expensive. And for for environmental and rooms, you probably aren't going to be using the most expensive ones. So it's going to be somewhere in the mid-range. And, you know, a month to two months is probably all in. 
I'm not kidding. My brain is just exploding with uh, with information and questions. I would like to kind of wrap up our conversation, given the fact that one workplace works in commercial environments yes. and works in healthcare environments yes. and works in learning environments. Mm-hmm. What does what does developing a scent for a larger environment? Yeah. look like? So I think it's a really good question. I, I, you know, we talked a little bit before about how different people smell differently. And um, in a shared environment, finding a scent that is universally pleasing is difficult. Um, but you, if you use fragrances and ingredients that are accepted and known and uh, not offensive to many people. I think you can get there, but at the same time, that also leads to a fairly boring kind of scent. So, um, for healthcare, you of course would want things that are, I'm going to digress for a moment. Some scents actually clean the air and actually are, have health benefits. Some raw ingredients, some don't. So you might use some of those ingredients in healthcare. Um, there are calming fragrances that you would use maybe in environments where there's small children. Um, maybe there's a more energetic fragrance for, like in a in a design studio where you want people to be actively engaged in coming up with new ideas. So there are things you can do and parts of the perfumer's organ that you can target for different um, emotional qualities, but it, it varies. And you do have to take into account that some people consider fragrance bad and the topic of fragrance is as bad. Uh, however, I think scent, not perfume, but scent in general uh, makes everything better. And it just has to be in a proportion and a quantity that is not overwhelming or offensive. Danielle Sargent, thank you very much for spending time with us. Is there any last thing that you'd like to share with our um, our listeners? Yes, a couple things. I want everyone to just start smelling more. If you don't know the name for what you're smelling, try and find out what it is. I think um, it will make you smarter. It will make you sexier. It will make everything better in your life if you smell more and... I think it's just a, such a fascinating subject. You can't but be excited about learning more about it. Well, I'd say we'd have to agree with you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. It's been awesome.